0: welcome to Cassandra Explains It All, a podcast where we take a magnifying glass to all of our treasures from the past. So tonight we're doing The Tale of the 13th Floor. (laughs) Yeah,
1: are you excited? (laughs) We finally got to
0: it. Okay, I've been wanting to get to this episode because I thought that it starred Alexander Skarsgård and it does not and I don't know why I thought that and I've been telling people that and they're like, really that guy? And I'm like, yeah, definitely, it is. That's him.
1: What That's is in- he most known for?
0: Not him. Um, True blood <laughs> and other Well, straw dogs. He was in straw, the new
1: one. It's interesting you say that. Cause I think I know who you're thinking about, but he's, yeah, he's not him, but he's been in vampire stuff, which I'll tell everyone about later.
0: Yes. I do have some like vampire and true blood connections here going on too. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. There are. So kind of this
0: day. is, this, this was a great, I like, I really, really, really liked this
1: episode. Yeah.
0: I'm going to have to I, say it's my favorite so far.
1: Really? So, okay. Yeah. Right out of the bag. Like love it. I, I didn't like it as much growing up. I didn't find it that interesting. Um, but you know, that was just me who was into monsters and stuff as a young kid, but I, it grew on me the more I watched it growing up. I don't, Well, we can go into our ratings later, but it's definitely improved with age for me.
0: So we have the Buddy <laughs> Ann story, and um, she's like, "Do you ever get the feeling you're being watched? Do you even know anyone? Do you even know yourself, Brett? Do you even know who you are? Who knows who I am? I don't
1: know. I'm I'm still working on it. I mean, I we all need to reach deep inside and figure out what what does Brett Wilson or Cassandra um, stand for beliefs." Dreams, desires, aspirations. It's it's a pretty deep philosophical question for a nineties kids anthology. <laughs>
0: yes, yeah, it is. I especially with the ending we get, it's like, okay. I don't know yeah. cool. Okay, the whole thing is like she's an alien, right? Spoilers. But God damn it. You're it supposed to remind- to wait. <laughs> because there's a quote like it reminds me of <sighs> if anybody out there remembers that guy, Terrence McKenna, who was like the mushroom oh, guy. I love him. Yeah. Yeah. He had this quote that said um, it's he he said it was funny that humans essentially taking mushrooms to find or psychedelics to find themselves like experiencing alien life, uh, which was, you know, godly like human consciousness masquerading as alien life. Um, They couldn't Mm -hmm. even recognize it as their own selves that it was alien. Um, right. and that's what, like the whole idea of aliens, like being ourselves or whatever, but I don't know why I know it's not that relevant and I, I'll ha- have to find like the real quote, but
1: <laughs> sure, <laughs> just reminded is... me of this episode, just a quick plug, not that it's for like either of us, but, um, if anyone likes watching those whiteboard animations on YouTube called after school, they have a really brilliant one on one of Terrence McKenna's 1991 speeches about psychedelics and the human uh, condition and oh, like cool. transcending our existence. So um if you're into that stuff definitely go check that out
0: yeah and this is a pretty trippy episode i loved it it it's right up my alley i'm gonna (laughs) play
1: (laughs) i kept thinking to myself even even when i rewatch it, it's it's like the 80s but in the 90s with all the pastel colors (laughs) it's very uncanny valley (laughs) yeah well yeah in a sense with like design aesthetic i'll give you that
0: yeah like it's creepy to me so let's see i'm just gonna play her little Oh, and, like, Gary's not having it during this episode. He's irritated at the beginning. He's ready for it Mm -hmm. to end at the end. He's, like, I don't know. He was on a different level tonight.
1: (laughs) Is he racist against aliens? (laughs) I
2: guess. (laughs) Who are we? Okay, I give up. We're surrounded by monsters. Ooh, I'm so scared. You see us every week. But do you really know us? Do you
1: really know anyone?
2: Even yourselves? If you stare long enough, you might see a stranger here. Are we having a story tonight, or are we just playing games? Does that answer your question? My story is about strangers among us. You see them every day, but never take the time to look. But if you did, you might find that the scariest strangers are the ones inside ourselves. Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call this story tale
1: of the 13th floor i do have to say badian's quote did stick with me throughout the years from this episode which helps it um age better because i i like the philosophical aspect of do we really even know ourselves on a deeper level
0: yeah definitely i like it i think it's pretty cool concept
1: and it's pretty relevant it's pretty relevant to the characterization of um certain characters in this episode so
0: yeah, it's cool. I there's this story has a lot of cool aspects. Like, okay, so the story takes place in an old renovated apartment building on a deserted 13th floor, and the last tenants had mysteriously disappeared years ago, used by two kids, a brother and sister uh, named Billy and karen and karen's adopted and so they live both floor they use the 13th floor for hockey and whatever just like hanging out and getting into trouble mm-hmm. which is ideal if you're a
1: teenager you know hey free real estate do what you want until someone catches you right oh my gosh <laughs> i would have a i've had like so many parties up there if i had a 13th floor all to myself
0: honestly so yeah. <laughs> uh, but i do like how the um old janitor Gus old well, elevator man. I don't know. It it says elevator man, but like I think he's just the maintenance guy of the he building. looks
1: more like a janitor. And yeah, side side note, our friend um Jeff from noble Nostalgia. Yeah. I wonder if I wonder if he named his dog Gus Gus Gus, after Gus in this episode <laughs> because he loves the tale of the 13th floor as well. I had a discussion Shut with him up. about it. I'm gonna no, ask him. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Go watch episode six of Notable Nostalgia where we talk about favorite are you afraid the dark episodes and he mentions that is one of his top picks
0: i'm just gonna ask him really quick right now (laughs) everybody should really honestly go to instagram and follow gus gus the dog it's gus gus underscore the dog
1: not the elevator operator (laughs) yeah
0: it's the cutest (laughs) dog ever
1: um did you name gus
0: (laughs) after 13th floor he's gonna be like are you on drugs again
1: no, all just right. the podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> What's the difference? So,
0: um but oh, I really like the actor. Yeah, he's really cool and he's like mm-hmm. I don't like you guys being up here. Like just the fact that it's the 13th floor creeps yeah. me
1: out. He's, he's <laughs> concerned agree. for their well-being. He's kind of like an unofficial father figure to them because we don't see parents in this episode at all.
0: Of course.
1: Yeah. So he's the next best thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. if my kids think i'm gonna have anything to do with them by the time they're 13 they got another thing coming <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man so anyway sorry but i'm like i'm with them 24
1: 7 i hear you it it it's frustrating after a while a lot to deal with
0: i'll be like living in an rv outside their college dorm like <laughs>
1: doing their laundry <laughs> oh no
0: elevator man gus brought them up to play floor hockey he warned them to be careful because the people who once lived there had just disappeared and no one knows what happened so they then begin to play some floor hockey
2: i think the nets right there I know that. If I had your genes, I could do it. What have my genes got to do with it? Not your blue jeans, Sipperhead. Your biological genes. My real parents must have been clutches like me. When you get off of that, you can't use your adoption as an excuse every time you can't do something. Why not? It's very convenient. <laughs> I admire uh, her honesty.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a good trump card, the adoption card. <laughs> right. I don't I don't know when else you'd use it cuz I can't relate but um I'm sure it comes in handy in a few social situations.
0: Yeah, yes. So then a loud noise is heard from the outside and crazy pink lights flash in and shine like through the 13th floor. It's very jarring. Everything starts rattling and shaking. They get scared, you know, and they decide it's time to leave. So when they get to the elevator, It takes a really long time to get there, and they begin to get even more scared. Like, the panic is really setting in. And when the elevator arrives, it's not Gus who meets them there.
1: Going down. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, Vanilla Elevator is, uh, (laughs) that's what comes to mind. That Aerosmith song. (laughs) Right? This Uh, is
0: definitely who I thought Alexander Skarsgård was in this episode.
1: Nope, that's uh, Christopher Heyerdahl, who we've actually seen as Nosferatu in the tale, of the Midnight Madness, about one or two episodes before. This and season. what's
0: crazy is that he also plays Dieter on True Blood, mm-hmm. which is so it's like another vampire role. Well, I, actually, I don't think he's a vampire. I think he's, he's a vampire
1: in Twilight too. I believe it's in my book. <laughs>
0: um, is that him or is that the other guy?
1: He's not like the main vampire. He's like... I know,
0: in the Voltaire. Yeah. But I feel like it's the other guy on this. He he has
1: experience with vampires. That's all you need to know.
0: He's... Yes. (laughs) A tall, (laughs) long-haired man in black uniform with a yellow emblem named Leonid pleasantly informs them that Gus had to leave for an emergency, and he's filling in. And that night, when Karen is sleeping in her bed, her television comes on by itself. Okay, I don't fuck with this. Like one time I was watching Pleasantville and you know, the Mm -hmm. creepy part where the television starts talking to them. Mm -hmm. My television turned off by itself right at that moment in real life. And I was so scared. I was a fully grown adult too, when this happened and I was so scared. I have never watched that movie since.
1: Like there wasn't a power outage or anything like that no, or someone it tripped just the just
0: Turned off. I mean, like, I use old TVs and like old VHSs and stuff like that, as you know. So mm-hmm. it's likely it was a technical thing, but like still very creepy. I hate a TV coming on in the middle of the night. I hate TV snow. I hate oh, yeah. um uh, untuned radio frequency. Yeah, it freaks uh-huh. me the fuck out. It's like <laughs>
1: But you, you probably have a lot to say about station 109.1 which is a season five episode because it deals with radio from beyond which i think is pretty fun
0: wait is that the one in the basement
1: no the that's kid? dark music we did that oh um, okay okay sta- station 109.1 has um brian gosling and gilbert Gottfried in <gasps> it.
0: can we do it next um maybe i
1: mean depends on if we want to follow the breadcrumb trail because i I was thinking to connect this episode to another certain one. I'm thinking from season five and then jumping to station one hundred nine point one after that.
0: That'd be good. Seeing. They're all, they're I, all thought I was getting scars guard and I didn't, and no, <laughs> I'm not getting gauze either. Don't worry. I got so... this. We'll, we'll
1: get through all 91 somehow through the choose your own adventure path.
0: So that night when Karen is sleeping in her bed, her television comes on by itself. The television shows a man in a strange black uniform with a turquoise emblem, politely speaking to her, asking her how she is doing. She asks the man on the TV, like, are you talking to me? <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's nobody else in this bedroom.
0: Right? It's like, it's creepy. I don't know. I oh, love yeah. it. So if you the- wrap
1: your head around it, it has a very visceral real feel to it like you mentioned with your tv turning off
0: yeah and you know she just like i think she just assumes she's dreaming and she goes back to bed Mm -hmm. okay the next day karen and billy as usual decide to go up and play on the 13th floor but that day leonid nicely tells them that they can't go up there you know they're surprised to hear that there actually are new tenants Oh, yeah, so she receives this letter in the mail, and it doesn't have their last name either. Hmm. Interesting. You know why? Suspicious. Mm. It's E.T.
2: The toy factory. What is it? Invitation from a toy company on the 13th floor. That's who moved in. What's a toy company doing in an apartment building? They want to test new toys and sports equipment on kids, and I'm invited. Why you? why not it's for any time tomorrow i don't want to go why wouldn't she want to
0: go
1: maybe she saw their selection of toys and thought they sucked
0: well they do but (laughs) (laughs) see
1: case closed i'm going to toy works or toys r us down down the street down in the city (laughs) so
0: insidious though like just overnight opening a toy store in your toy in testing a, facility
1: <laughs> in, in an apartment building let that let that something sink in
0: yeah and then like inviting <laughs> children unsolicited by their parents
1: they, they might as well say free candy somewhere so
0: creepy i'm glad she's like i don't want to go
1: yeah yeah <laughs> like,
0: good instinct honey Str-
1: stranger danger is popular in the 90s you know advocating watching up neighborhood watches and uh Making can sure avoid shifty people in okay, neighborhoods. But
0: are you afraid of the dark seems to live outside of like the 90s universe? It's very um, late 80s mentality. Like you just ride your bike anywhere and you don't have a beeper or anything to tell your parents where you are. Mm.
1: Right? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, considering that it was conceived at the end of the 80s, beginning of the 90s, that makes sense. It was yeah. all confused. Like, I feel the like the pilot. writers
0: are trying to relate more to like when they were kids
1: possible i don't know
0: so yeah billy's upset that he can't go so then later that night karen wakes up once again to her television coming on and that man contacting her is on it again karen tries to turn it off but it won't turn off no matter how many times she tries
1: that's Mm
0: -hmm. that's my worst nightmare oh my god
1: it's like the ring oh my god dude like he's on every channel it's like the max headroom but 90s version (laughs) that's
0: that's really like truly my worst nightmare like you know throwing getting rid of something and it just reappearing or like Mm -hmm. no matter how many times you turn the light on it won't come on or whatever the fucking every light in the house won't turn on kind of shit tv won't turn off even when it's unplugged oh my god no
1: so like
0: that's that's worse than just getting eaten by the shadow man you know
1: right um
0: at least so, you anticipate
1: the shadow man with your appliances not working there's there's a certain element of unknown that you can't predict um when you're trying to fix things.
0: Right. Oh my god, I'm getting scared right now. I don't even hmm. know if I can keep doing this episode.
1: <laughs> Be brave. I'm here with you. You're not alone.
0: I have to go to sleep alone after this. I'm terrified.
1: <laughs> hey, you want to do this episode, I'm <laughs> letting you do it. <laughs>
0: if I die and this episode never gets released, like Brett will have the recording, I hope, and he can...
1: you have to email <laughs> it to me before you go to bed.
0: <laughs> before I die, yeah. Why?
1: Because you're a very special person.
2: It wouldn't be the same without you. Say you'll come.
0: Okay, yeah. yeah. So like, obviously, she thinks she's dreaming that. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Karen insists that like Billy joins her and Olga this woman upstairs at the toy place she like reluctantly does let them both in but she doesn't really want to let Billy in she only wants the girl
1: yeah girls only club
0: (laughs) Billy asks her what they will get for testing out the toys and Olga asks him you know what do you want and Billy says maybe free stuff and Karen tells him (laughs) that it can be arranged and Billy and Karen like high five thinking it's going to be awesome like okay cool they're taken into a room filled with all sorts of nice toys no that's a lie this, this is the weirdest <laughs> like i don't know help me out here
1: this is this is a toy this is a toy factory that was built by people who have no idea what a toy factory is right like they're just trying to they they're like brainstorming in some sort of board meeting thinking <laughs> Oh, what, what does the toy factory look like? Well, there's bright colors. There's like cute little things that people like kids like to play with. There's puppy dogs and bowling balls and baby giant baby blocks for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Let's throw that in there. There's like uh, upside down (laughs) bowling pins. It's and, it's the ugliest weirdest toy factory ever and I would never go to it especially since I was a toyaholic as a child. Yeah. And,
0: <laughs> and it's it's decorated in this really weird pink and seafoam green, but not the shade of pink and seafoam green that everybody loves. It's like just slightly off of that yeah. those shades. It's like super fucking creepy
1: yeah I've seen those colors like on furniture or like lamps in Florida from the 80s and 90s mm-hmm. but this is like the intensity is so ramped up it's like just trying to make you feel constantly unnerved that every something is off but you can't put your finger on it while in the space
0: yeah like did you ever hear that Freddy Krueger sweater is like those specific colors are the most disturbing to the human eye like to see together
1: yeah it's like what puke greenish brown and like a red orange. Like yeah. the, the contrast the contrast between those colors normally they're complementary like a regular red and green on the color wheel, but because they're like slightly tinted off, it, it creates a sense of dissonance. And, of course, the brown hat unifies it, so...
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's how I feel about this room. It just makes me so uncomfortable. It's like, I like all these colors. What's that? Why is this so fucking uncomfortable? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I like a lot of weird stuff, but this is creepy.
1: Mm -mm. Yeah.
0: Basically, they're having them test all these things. Karen's doing way better than her brother with all the tests. And there's a reason. It's because they're basically testing you know, her levels and things because she's an alien. I don't know.
1: Um. (laughs) Her psychic abilities, her proclivities towards uh, extraterrestrial abilities, things that Billy clearly does not have because he's an ordinary American child.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah, but she's obviously gifted and she can levitate things. And and I wish
1: I could levitate things. Do you know I had dreams about levitation, but I still can't figure out how to do it in real life. (laughs) <laughs> like i understand scientifically how it works in my dreams but not here where like you have to somehow get in tune with your body's like magnetic fields and reverse the polarity between the surface you are and you can like levitate up to a foot off the surface kind of like a magnet or oh. how a hoverboard works
0: yeah i was actually gonna say um have you heard about that i don't want to call it a house but it's, a in floating house. No, it's in florida no it's it's in florida and it's called um coral castle and the guy that built it he built it as a monument to his dead ex-wife or his dead wife but Mm. the story is that like he believed that he had found these like magnetic poles in the ground that were able to lift all of like the super heavy limestone and he was able to erect the whole house by himself and it's all made out of limestone
1: yeah yeah Makes you wonder how the pyramids and Stonehenge were built.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so there's like lots of conspiracy videos about it. You should really look check it out. It's a cool Florida monument too.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'll look more into it.
0: Yeah, it's right up your alley. So Raymond, the creepy alien guy, you know, he tells her to like sit in this chair, basically. It's like a roller coaster looking type.
1: Yeah, she's trapped in this weird seat that looks like it was pulled from an amusement park ride.
0: I love that they spent so little money on the toys, but then they actually paid for a neon sign of TF for the toy factory. Right.
1: And it's got that weird head of a queasy guy on top.
0: (laughs) That had to cost like, what?
1: A couple thousand.
0: Right? What is happening?
1: Uh, They didn't have a a very good um, production accountant on the show for this episode. (laughs) So bizarre.
0: Where do you think that that exact prop ended up?
1: You got me, you have to ask Bill Bonecutter, who is the prop supervisor for all 91 episodes of Are Fear of the Dark, hmm. he would know.
0: So weird, looks like it ends up in like the background of a
1: Say by the Bell <laughs> episode. Either that or in um, the Temple of Legends of the Hen Temple. <laughs>
2: yeah. You have reached your median capacity. We will transfer you to the ship. What ship? I'm not going in any ship.
1: Ah, oh, that's better. Yuck. She
0: has a great scream. I won't play yeah. it, but she she's a great. <laughs> okay, why not? Well, I don't want to like hurt <laughs> everybody's ears. Uh,
1: they can okay. close them. They I'll play it.
0: Down. Okay, sp- like trigger warning. Yep. Billy, help me! Billy isn't surviving. Mm-hmm.
1: He's like suffocating from the atmosphere that got cranked up on that weird wheel. Yeah. That, uh, Raymond's turning.
0: But it's like that confused me too. Like, how has she been living on Earth this whole time if that's not her natural atmosphere?
1: Maybe she just has a wider range of adaptability than Earthlings do.
0: Okay. Have you ever read The Host?
1: No, I've heard of it. You might like it. Is it so, an alien sci fi fiction book?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's not great, but it's okay. <laughs> um okay. <laughs> it's no space junk two available now. Sure on Amazon. <laughs> so Karen uses her powers on her way out. She kicks Raymond in the face and freezes and his him in the place, you know. So she runs off, she gets Billy to wake up and she hears Olga coming. It's just like a lot of chaos, basically. They're trying to catch her and right. she's trying
1: to get away.
0: You don't and... want to talk about
1: the creepy gray aliens that oh, are yeah. in the portal?
0: Please do. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So as as we're just gonna backtrack like, I don't know, maybe a couple minutes in the episode. So Karen's being raised into this weird-looking portal that's supposed to lead to like a UFO that's sitting on top of the apartment building, assumedly. And uh, there's these weird faceless aliens with pointy heads and like weird three-fingered claws that are just like all surrounding this portal, like grabbing down into it, trying to like touch her or bring her up into it. And it's, it's, it really makes you think like, yes, they look, it's a creepy visual for some people who would be spooked by that kind of thing. But for me, when I watch it and rewatch it, it just makes me think about more about these aliens and what their lives are like and what like the UFO looks like. And how their world is different from ours and why they felt the need to come to planet earth so it raises a lot of questions in my head long after the episode's over
0: uh, i think that sea life is like that too every time i look at like, some kind of deep sea creature right. it's like this is yeah so they discover outer something space.
1: really strange like illuminated squid or like a blobfish <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah but it's just interesting like what can live in different environments than us that we don't even really maybe consider every day there you go. in outer space or deep sea. I know like isn't really comparable, but it's, I think maybe the closest right. comparable
1: thing. That's um, why it's hard for me to believe that we're not, a, that we're alone in the universe because there's just so much vastness of space out there. It's hard not to have life existing, at least in some other form of condition, either on another planet or like another galaxy or anything like that. We just don't know for sure, but I think the possibility exists.
0: I mean, there used to be snakes bigger than school buses. So on yeah. planet Earth, so, <laughs> <laughs> you know. maybe aliens
1: were, I mean, animals were aliens at some point. We don't know, certain yeah. species. I should have known.
3: We're not all robots, Karen.
1: We're letting your confusion blind you. Listen to your instincts. You know, this is your destiny. It's time to expand your horizons, see another side of the universe.
2: My destiny? Yes.
1: Come with us, and you will find happiness.
2: Maybe I will. That's my girl.
1: Let's go see Olga. No! I've
2: gotta get help from Billy.
0: (laughs) He does make it sound nice.
1: Yeah, I, I, I would if i could stand the the conditions of space then i would have tried it out see what's out there
0: ultimately like she doesn't want to leave her brother even though it's not her real brother so that's the moral
1: of the story yeah family first
0: right whatever (laughs) there is leonard tells her that you know she doesn't belong there but she ultimately like won't leave with them and when they leave leonard like is like you're making a big mistake.
1: Also, Raymond is a robot, just to throw that out there. He's an oh, alien robot. Okay. Yeah, that's why he had a button underneath his shirt because Olga was trying to like program him or stop him or something. Interesting.
0: Okay. So, yeah, when they get back to their apartment, you know, they're just relieved that it's all over. And, um, but then it's not as it's not over. <laughs> they see some flashing, clear, and pink light coming from the outside and they look at the window as someone is leaving their world, world, and they hear the loud noise of the spaceship as it takes off. The television turns on. It's really sad, too, actually.
2: It's my dream. No, dear. This isn't a dream. This was your rescue. My rescue? We left you here by mistake 10 years ago. I would have explained everything once the proper atmosphere brought all of your senses back. What's going on? We can't stay any longer. We've run out of atmosphere. It will be another 10 years before we can return. What are you talking about? Is this a joke or what? (laughs) See you in 10 years. Goodbye for now, dear. You may think you know someone, but think again. And look a little closer. I declare this meeting of the Midnight Society closed.
0: <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Carrie's like, oh, uh-huh, uh, bye.
1: <laughs> I love that twist, by the way. So funny at the at the end of the tale. Like that really shook me when I first saw it as a young child in 1983.
0: Yeah, she just brother just looks <laughs> over and her sister is fully an alien. It's so terrifying.
1: Yeah, but a twist.
0: It's great. And then you know, like it leaves you to wonder like what will happen mm-hmm. in 10 years that she has 10 years to ruminate on this yeah Um, that
1: would have been the year 2003 according to this timeline you should do a
0: follow-up like little zine (laughs) a mini zine of like what happens after each are you afraid of the dark episode
1: i do i do like that idea because um as a creative who dabbles in both writing and you know artwork um i always like to go beyond the stories that we all know and love so i've thought about like sequels for dark music where i wonder what andy's like in the future when he's like corrupted and almost takes the place of the solar door demon and like tries to lure another kid in but the kid outwits him and destroys him or like a sequel to the ghastly grinner where there's another another issue being made by a new comic book artist but doesn't understand like the full power of him and ethan has to like come back to help him stop him or like you know uh laughing in the dark you know we can go back to a prequel where we got to see Zebo before the circus slash amusement park got burned down when he was like mm-hmm. happy guy and we found out that you know oh. maybe maybe he stole the money to get an operation for a sick relative or something i you know? think
0: he <laughs> i think zeebo has something to do with the carnival of doom hmm yes
1: well well there's <laughs> there's a guy who wears a mask as an easter egg in the carnival doom but i think they're two different universes to me
0: i don't know why everybody hates carnival of doom so much
1: for me is the acting i didn't like the characters i like the premise Man. i like the first part a lot but after that it just it started to go down a slippery slope with each successful succeeding part
0: Hold on, I'm just checking if this guy was in Twilight
1: like I think he was.
0: <laughs> yes, he was. So, he was in Breaking Dawn.
1: I think his name was Marcus, right? Yep, that's it. Marcus. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, this episode, I liked it. I liked it a lot. It was fun.
1: Yeah. It it grew on me. It was one of the few episodes that got better with age because you know, aside from the the garish colors of the toy factory, um, mm-hmm. the the over the overarching themes of like knowing yourself and identity and um, having to question that really lingers with you after after the episode's over. And it pl- plus, had a great uh, twist as well. So I recommend watching it. I give it like around four out of five matchsticks.
0: Definitely. I mean, I hate the colors and everything, but I think it works perfectly just to make it creepy. Um, right great episode Uh, and then what did you decide would be next
1: um so (laughs) there there were three possible routes that i can go with this two of them being alien one being apartment based but i decided to go with um the tale of the unexpected visitor because that's another extraterrestrial theme one that's pretty fun and it'd also be a nice segue into station 109.1 because it deals with like radio waves and signals and stuff
0: Okay, interesting. Tale of the yeah. unexpected visitor. Okay.
1: And speaking of which, uh the other connection is that Pierre LeBlanc, who plays Raymond, which is um the you know, the green shirted alien in this episode, mm-hmm. he plays uh Jeff's dad in the upcoming tale. So there is a connection beyond my own that I've added to it.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah.
1: Hmm.
0: I like it. So oh, two teenage boys contact aliens through a computer where they arrive to meet their communicators. Okay. That sounds cool. I'm into it. Yeah. And, okay, do you want to do recommendations? Sure. Okay, perfect. Do you want me to go first, or do you want to go first?
1: You can go first.
0: Okay, so my recommendation is just inspired by this episode. It reminds me a lot of a movie I used to really like, um, Escape to Witch Mountain. And I know Mm -hmm. there's like a 1960-something version, but I'm talking about the 1995 Disney version. It was Eric Von Detten and Elizabeth Moss. I don't know if anybody remembers this movie, but it says, in this remake of the famous 1974 film, the story is retold of humanoid alien twin babies who were found near a mysterious mountain, accidentally separated They grow up in the same town not knowing each other exists. Just as they discover their relationship, an unscrupulous local entrepreneur decides to use their supernatural powers to make himself rich. Only the mountain's mysterious powers can save them. So, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, it was like a really cool paranormal-ish, sci-fi-ish, like, Mm kid movie from our era escape cool. to which mountain yeah hmm.
1: i don't think i've heard of it before
0: and it's got it brink. it's got brink from brink <laughs> <So>.
1: <laughs> that's the selling point that's right cool. yeah so i recently watched this um to help me with my artistic um uh, drive i guess uh because you know I've, I've been kind of shifting directions since my 33rd birthday this summer and dealing with arm pain i just needed something to take my mind off of it so I saw this Netflix documentary thing called The Creative Brain. I believe that's the title of it. And it has like a picture of a, a brain with like all colors over it. And it it really is an interesting activity isn't necessarily reserved for just the artists or the celebrities in life, but really latent in all of us. It's just a matter of how you make the neural network connections to untap that creativity. And a lot of that creativity um, you know, that's within us has to do with taking what we already have that exists and building upon that in new ways and making new neural connections. So it's it's really something that if you take the time to see the different examples they present through different people they interview, um, it's, it's a pretty fascinating examination of how our brains work and neuroplasticity and how we can apply it to our own lives um, and how you can find creativity and even more logical subjects like science too to come up with unique solutions
0: that sounds really cool that sounds like sacred geometry and i like that you should yeah. say, what's it called again
1: uh the creative brain
0: creative brain okay cool. cool that's really cool i like it but which ones did you do for this episode
1: i i did two designs actually sometimes i do one sometimes i do three or two it depends on the episode but i did um, the trio of the 13 Floor Aliens, Olga, Raymond, and Leonid, as one sticker, and then I did Karen in front of the TV turning into an alien as another sticker. Exactly. So, <laughs> if you're into that, check Let them me out. Let me know. Maybe.
0: Yep. The campfire one I think is really cool too. The campfires and the stone uh, chair is one of yeah, my favorites. Yeah, Stone Throne. Yeah. Oh, and yeah,
1: Zevo, I said. He's classic. Too long, didn't read version. <laughs> if you want Are You Afraid of the Dark stickers, go contact me at Brett Wilson Art on Instagram. Um, I also have my own 90s merch store now that you can access through brettwilsonart.com. And, you know, we got some Are You Afraid of the Dark, Pete and Pete. We got some sort of short stuff there. We have a Pokelodeon mashup art there that involves like Pokemon and uh, 90s Nicktoons together. So there's a lot of fun things that you can, You can get through me if you want to relive the 90s through some sort of art. And with that being said, I declare this meeting of the Midnight Society closed. We'll see you next time for the Tale of the Unexpected Visitor.
3: Terence McKenna, please welcome Terence. Well, I'm aware of how late in the day it is, and I know some of you must be double-parked, so uh, I'll make this as uh, succinct as possible. This morning's discussion caused me to wonder uh, how much we would understand about electricity if our method of studying it was to stand on the tops of high hills and wait to be struck by lightning. It seems to me that's sort of the position that we're in vis-a-vis the UFOs. We have no real theory. We have conjectures. We have fiercely defended hypotheses but we have very little that is concrete uh to go on it's almost as though the issue of the ufo were an onion and as we peel the layers of the onion we discover when we get to the center that there is nothing there whatsoever left it reminds me that uh if you cross an onion with a UFO, uh, what you get is a flying saucer that brings tears to your eyes. <laughs> and uh, so what I would like to do is just based on the notes I took uh, today to review what the options available to us are in terms of trying to get some kind of intellectual handle on this phenomenon and I'll move through them rather quickly Uh, one possibility that I suppose is now out of fashion because it wasn't mentioned here today other than what Jacques said about ball lightning and plasmas is that the UFOs are somehow natural phenomena perhaps piezoelectric uh, forces that have an ability to interact with the delicate electrochemical machinery of the human nervous system to create an impression of hallucination or visitation or abduction that's one possibility the more serious contenders uh, as explanations i think fall into three categories is it us are we being visited or is there another tenant in the building that we are unaware of and uh, my own feeling about this uh, tends to vacillate I have had contact experiences I have seen a UFO very close I have met with entities from other dimensions and it has not impelled me to take a strong position I paid very close attention when these experiences were happening to me, and there always seemed to be loose ends that uh, argue against whatever hypothesis seems currently most attractive. And though Jacques didn't mention it today, I recall in his book, The Invisible College, he stressed the absurdity that seems to attend the contact experience that if the contactee will truly tell the unvarnished truth then there will be elements in the story which will make the contactee look like a moron in other words the invalidation of the experience is a an inimical part of its structure almost as though the entities were saying well you may tell this story if you wish but if you tell it truthfully you'll be taken for a fool well there's nothing wrong with being taken for a fool except that it does seal the phenomenon rather nicely away from the very sober ladies and gentlemen who are making their careers in some branch of science they are not interested in investigating the kinky the anecdotal the possibly pathological in preparation for this conference, I reread Carl Jung's book published in 1954 called Flying Saucers, a modern myth of things seen in the sky. And to my mind, no one has really gone beyond Jung. He understood very clearly that uh, saying that something is a denizen of the psychic realm no way precludes it's also having. Uh, efficacious force in the physical realm through the phenomenon which he called synchronicity Uh, some of the points which Jacques made today about the nature of the medical examinations that are reported they are absurd they are unnecessary to be performed at our level of technology let alone any future more advanced level that we might be asked to believe in so if the ufo phenomenon is something that is coming from us then what is it and what is it for and i've given a good deal of thought to this question over the years because i tend to lean toward the notion that the ufo problem like many subtle problems is haunted by our own naivete concerning language if i were to randomly choose and don't worry i shan't five of you to come up here and each one of you would have forty seconds to explain to the rest of us what an atom is it would be preposterous none of us know i doubt there's a person in this room who can give an account of the atom that tallies with the quote-unquote orthodox description of the atom so there is a curious fuzziness about the most mundane parts of reality when we really attempt to magnify and understand them in the clear light of consciousness how much more ambiguity there is than naturally attendant upon the examination of any kind of phenomenon phenomena which are rare or tend to be fringy So it isn't a matter of achieving consensus over the UFO. We can't even achieve consensus about what constitutes a decent souffle. So this passionate desire to drag us all under the umbrella of a single explanation is, I think, uh, missing the point. To my mind, if the UFO phenomena is something arising out of the superego of the human uh, psychic organization, then we should uh, ask why. What is it doing? And I, I don't want to sound like a public relations uh, agent for Jacques Vallée, but to my mind, with the exception of Jung, Jacques is the only uh, commentator on the phenomenon who has really pushed the frontier back. To my mind, in The Invisible College, when Valle says, in looking at the effect, not asking the question, what is it, but what does it do, you very quickly see what the flying saucers are doing. What they are doing is eroding faith in science. They are an antidote to the scientific paradigm that has evolved over the past 400 years and which has led us to the brink of global catastrophe. So the notion being developed here is that within the structure of the human psyche, there is something like a governor, something like a monitoring circuit, which, when a society begins to evolve in a pathological or lethal direction, phenomena can be induced not by the egos of men and women, not by their institutions, but by the overmind, the, the collectivity of the human species. Phenomena can be induced which are so corrosive to the ideologies currently in place that their underpinnings are cut away, their validity is called into question, and their programs for social development and control are invalidated and destroyed. Now, a perfect example of this is the rise of infant Christianity. If you'll cast your mind back to the situation in uh, the early years of the Christian era, uh, and imagine the mentality of a Roman aristocrat a person of power in Roman society. Their physics is drawn from democracy and atomism. Uh, In other words, they are thoroughgoing materialists. Their social theory is drawn from epictetus and Plato. They are, in fact, extremely modern people by our own standards. However, among the gardeners and kitchen help and stable boys, there is news of a momentous event in the middle east a jewish rabbi has triumphed over death and risen after three days in the tomb should the master of a roman household have caught wind of this kind of uh, uh, superstitious talk among the health he would have just dismissed it with a sneer what a preposterous idea and it is a preposterous idea nevertheless The fact that an idea is preposterous has never held it back from making zealous converts. And within 120 years after the annunciation of the birth of Christianity, its missionaries were beating on the gates of Rome attempting to convert the emperor. Now I see a similar situation in the modern context that rationalism, scientific technology which began and came out of uh, the scholasticism of the middle ages and the quite legitimate wish to glorify God through an appreciation of his natural world turned into a kind of demonic pact, a kind of descent into the underworld a nekaia if you will leading to the present cultural and political impasse that involves massive stockpiles of atomic weapons, huge propagandized populations cut off from any knowledge of their real histories, uh, male-dominated organizations plying their message of uh, lethal destruction and inevitable historical advance. And into this situation comes suddenly an anomaly, something which cannot be explained I believe that that is the purpose of the UFO to inject uncertainty into the male dominated, paternalistic, rational, solar myth under which we are suffering. <clears throat> so, I suppose if you had to categorize this point of view, you would say I'm taking a depth psychological, psychoanalytic point of view. What I'm saying is that the UFO is nothing more than an assertion of herself by the goddess into history, saying to science and paternalistically uh, governed and driven organizations you have gone far enough we are going to turn the world upside down your science is going to be shown up for what it is nothing more than a pleasant metaphor usefully extrapolated into the production of toys for healthy children that's what science is good for it is not some meta theory at whose feet every point of view from astrology to acupressure to channeling need be laid to have the hand of science announce thumbs up or thumbs down now there is another possibility which uh, can be dovetailed into the first it is that it is not so much the Oversoul or the super-ego of the human species which is responsible for stopping scientific masculine paternalism in its tracks, but rather that, unbeknownst to self-absorbed and myopic human beings, we have always shared, or at least for a very long period of time, have shared this planet with another, another intelligent species, another entity which may have been perfectly content to allow us to abide in our ignorance of its presence until the point where it came to its awareness that our uh, style was toxifying, ruining, raping, and perverting the planet. And at that point, this thing springs into action with similar uh, end results as the previous scenario, the invocation of the superego. It's astonishing to me that in the 45 years that the UFO, are we being visited question has been kicked around, I have never seen in any UFO uh, book or publication the suggestion made that if we believe we are being visited by organic intelligent life forms from some other dimension or place in the galaxy, then we should very, very thoroughly examine the ecology of this planet for traces of its presence. What assurance do we have that the several million life forms that we know to exist on this planet all evolved here? Do we have any assurance? There are ways to gain that assurance by doing uh, comparative DNA sequencing and this sort of thing. Some of you may know my own position or one of my positions which is that uh, plants and fungi containing psychoactive compounds are extremely viable candidates for extraterrestrial intruders into the environment of this planet Uh, and this is not to put down Whitley's story which is a very interesting story but had he prefaced his story with the comment that before it all happened, he took five grams of mushrooms. I doubt he could have sold it to his mother. Because in the world where mushrooms and other psychedelic plants are imbibed, such stories are commonplace. No big deal. So I'm always amused by UFO investigators and compilers of data who will tell you well the first thing we did is we got rid of all the stories told by anybody who was intoxicated on anything it seems to me that move has probably absolutely precluded any possibility of understanding what is going on you see culture is uh, something that we wear like clothes We're very much at ease with culture. Our mind is very much at ease with culture. And we gather the language of a given culture around us. Culture is the mind unperturbed. When a shaman or an ecstatic visionary goes into the wilderness and through ordeal or yogic practice or breath control or the taking of a psychoactive substance, perturbs the mind then we see what the mind is out naked undressed from the clothing of language and convention that's why i've made this point over and over again there cannot there will not be a serious discussion of the origin of ufos or for that matter of the nature of consciousness itself until we leave the utterly culture-bound, provincial, and hick-like attitude that science has foisted on us about perturbing the mind. Without the use of psychedelic substances, I think solving the UFO dilemma is going to be uh, as thankless a task as attempting to understand the nature of the universe without availing yourself of the use of a telescope. It is simply tying our hands behind our backs now there is a third possibility which is uh the one that is the more commonly entertained notion which is simply that we are being observed by intelligent life forms that evolved somewhere else in the galaxy they have quarantined our planet to keep us from being agitated by their presence and they will eventually uh reveal themselves i find this an extremely odious notion especially the part about how much chaos there will be if the truth is ever revealed this is nothing more than the reassertion of masculine paternalism its right to keep secrets from the rest of us its belief that there is a privileged all-male class of people who can be let in on what's really going on and the rest of us, poor dears, have to be uh, shielded from these tremendously shocking facts. Uh, I discussed this once with an entity and it said to me, well, you know, we've disguised ourselves as an extraterrestrial invasion so as to not alarm people with what's really going on. We're getting close to the end folks. There is a fourth possibility, which I mention only in the interest of thoroughness, which is uh, that these entities and their vehicles are not spacecraft at all, but are in some sense time craft. And that we may be the tremendous sense of empathy with these quite physically unusual beings may arise out of the fact that we're looking into the faces of our great 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 grandchildren who may be emanating back through time carrying the message a message about some sort of future event or situation that lies many centuries downstream from us but that is of such import that from that point agents are moving backward and possibly forward through time spreading the news of some kind of mode shift this doesn't seem to me to be impossible however based on my own experience which is what I think this thing really comes down to because what we have in the UFO issue is an official position supported by scientists, whether they be Neanderthal right-wingers or doctrinaire Marxists or whatever, a conspiracy of consensus against the uh, personal experiences of individual human beings who are told, well, what you're saying happened to you can't have happened. You are insane. You are mentally ill. You are mistaken. So what we really have here is a political issue, which do you believe? Your un, your uh, perceptions, memories, and expectations aided by your intellect or some kind of utterly abstract, official, doctrinaire, sexist philosophy laid on from above? So I think really what the saucers do, if you accept their presence, is they empower us. They empower us to see science for the shell game that it is, to see the past 400 years of Western culture for the pathetic narrowing of the spectrum of allowable phenomena that it is, to the point where people think that if you can't bang on something with a hammer, it isn't real which to me is just wild talk. I can't even imagine where that kind of this thing is coming from. So I think, and I'll just leave you with this final thought, that in lieu of the repression, and it is a repression throughout this century, of uh, legitimately available ways of exploring the modalities of consciousness, and by that I mean uh, psychoactive compounds, the repression of those compounds and their uh, use by science has created a neurotic energy dynamic in the mass psyche. And the mass psyche has begun to hallucinate because, because the destiny of human beings is to live in the imagination in the hands of the goddess and wherever that thrust is impeded psychopathy will result there will be neurosis there will be psychic epidemics there will be confusion so i believe that until we uh, form a resolution to conduct an unfettered and mature exploration of the human psychology using all the tools available to us that the skies of earth will continue to be haunted by flying saucers they will be continu- they will continue to be haunted by flying saucers and their denizens because they are symbols of our infantilism of our sense of loss of our incompleteness And we can heal that breach by simply recognizing that the true mystery lies within us. The true mystery is in the mind and its historical promise is the transformation of our society through the abandonment of reason as it has been narrowly defined by this extremely solar, masculine, paternalistic, materialistic legacy that we are the victims of well I could talk for a long time but I think that's it in a nutshell